Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. I can't seem to get away from the album uh, Can't Buy a Thrill by Steely Dan. There's deep cuts on that album. There used to be a, a station on XM Radio called Deep Cuts are deep tracks and they and they keep play that crank that up that's like it's like an Almond Brothers thing right there two guitars guitarmony yeah it sounds yeah. like something yeah. you would hear them do yeah. Dwayne Almonds and Dwayne Almond and Dickie Betts uh, that's Skunk Baxter don't turn it down right in the middle of the solo Jeez. Turn it back up. <laughs> Do you want them to be able to hear you? No, the they music? can hear me quite well. The, okay, now. Okay, that's just vocals. You can turn it down. <laughs> so we do want I agree. Yeah, yeah, we do want to listen to Tom after all, right? Okay, no. I mean, the point is that the guitar solo is over with. That's Skunk Baxter, a very vis- versatile musician. Played on the Doobie Brothers. You know, what were some songs, maybe some Doobie Brothers songs that he might have had a, a big, um, what was that song, China Grove? A China Grove, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a good song. Old yeah. Blackwater, but that's not. Uh, that's more vocals, yeah. 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 Great song, though. Yeah, uh, China Grove, That that's got that's got some, vo- I'll try to send that to her. Yeah. <laughs> Can you can you like sing the guitar um, badly? Yeah. Can you sing the guitar solo? <laughs> uh, we'll, get, we'll let Mike. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, they can even have start. Yeah, though. Um, the the thing that's important, and I've been watching some things 
with Donald Fagan in them. I saw, now let me tell you what's going on. This is just a little thing here. Um, it's not that little if you're in the, if you're into um, LPs. There's a company out in Kansas, Audio something, Salina, Kansas, that is repressing the old albums from people like Steely Dan and others. They've even got it down to where the they they mix their own silver that creates the press. Oh wow. They do their own thing. Yeah. All right, she just got China Grove there. <laughs> um and and they're bringing these Steely Dan song, uh, albums out. They they got the licensing and they're repressing them. And um, okay, th- th- this is uh, this is the Doobie Brothers, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it says. Okay, so that's Skunk Baxter, and I don't know if Michael McDonald. Is that Michael McDonald? No, that's not him. I can't believe that would be Michael McDonald. He's got a different voice than that. Yeah. Very distinctive. Yeah. Anyhow, these guys are pressing, repressing these albums. And they're like 150 bucks a piece. Oh, wow. You know, which in inflation terms... It's three dollars and ninety eight cents <laughs> in nineteen seventy. No, it, it's yeah, so. There's your skunk Baxter again. That was his other job. Point is, there is a demand for the analog. Uh, they they have to go back and get the original masters. Some of those are hard to find or impossible. Mm-hmm. So some of them have to be digitally reproduced back to analog, which is going to sound different. But if you can find the original, I, I guess it would be on the big tapes. Yeah. The, yeah, the old yeah. master yeah, they would, would be. be on those mm-hmm. uh, big uh, tapes. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going on. This guy's got a real business. And you go on, it's, I think it's Audio Disc is hmm. the name of Salina, Kansas. Look it up. I saw an interview where Donald Fagan and some other guy in New York City and this third guy were on a zoom call it was like a 48 in, minute interview and donald fagan talks a lot about his influences his musical influence he talks about jazz guys art tatum people that he listened to that's fascinating the to me the sign of really good music is that 50 years later you're still you know that's right breaking it apart yeah and when you're 60s you're going to be listening to some of the stuff you listen to, yep. the good stuff. Yep. You'll be listening. I know you like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I kind of missed him. I mean, it to me, all I had to do was listen to Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton, and I felt like I got you got a taste. To of me, it. Stevie Ray Vaughan is a very good imitator. I don't know. You might be able to tell me. What is it about him that's distinctive and better than the others? Oh, um, 
totally different than Clapton. Uh, Clapton no, I know he's different than Clapton. Yeah. Now, Hendrix, he refined Hendrix. Okay. Um, it, it, I don't know that I want Hendrix to be refined. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But is he is he got elements of Carlos Santana in there? Not really. Okay. No, no he's more. Uh, it's his his playing is very percussive, and so it had the rhythm and the percussion that went yeah, along so with it, like a Clapton so phrasing. Carlos Santana to me is the most. Well, some people say he's the best guitarist there's ever been in in rock music. I've heard that. I've heard more than one person say that. If you listen to some of the old stuff like Black Magic Woman, some of those songs, uh, he's very melodic and he's got a certain style. All right. Hendrix said Billy Gibbons was his favorite guitarist. Did he really? Yep. Billy Gibbons is a big fan of Bo Diddley, too. Billy Gibbons has Bo Diddley's guitar. Right. That box-looking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bill, Billy Gibbons. All right, here's a story. I had him segueing beautifully, and you brought <laughs> well, I'm at Ro- I'm at Rotan Mosley. Oh. I'm at Rotan Mosley in 1984, and I was back in the Bond department, so there was like 60 people in a room maybe twice the size of the square feet of this office, maybe only 50% bigger. I mean, we were just wall to wall in there. And the guy came back in the bond department and was buying some bonds for a client. And uh, all of a sudden, I come around the corner, and there's this little guy with this huge beard, sunglasses on, standing there, and his broker is making sure that the bond trade gets done. And it, it it was Billy Gibbons. And they were buying a bunch of bonds for ZZ Top. Yeah. And they were, the band had their own account. Sure. It wasn't individual, you know. They, they were buying a, so this is back in the 80s. I'd say they're doing okay. All right. That was funny. One time it was a Kimolaja one. All right, Robert Powell's retirement portfolio. Are you confident about your financial skills? Then you'll probably have more money when you retire. This is an article by Robert Powell. And, okay. What am I being sold here? (laughs) This is talking about financial confidence um, and everything that comes along with that. Now, uh, we, we talk all the time on here, you know, we, we want our clients to understand what they own. Um, you know, and we say, well, it can lead and it typically has led to better returns than, than people that don't understand what they own because the emotional side of it, uh, they, they, it, if you don't understand what you own, you're more likely to act on emotion and possibly sell at the wrong time. This is a, a study that they did uh, that kind of backs up what we've seen, you know, firsthand. But it's always neat to see it, you know, backed up in a study. Um, so they they did a study and they they evened it out basically uh, among uh, wealth groups, you know, categories, uh, breaking it into uh, net assets. Um, and what it found was that. People that were financially confident slash literate, they understood what was going on with their financial household, 
were more comfortable and confident in taking on, as they say, risk in their portfolio. Now, what they... The, Different kinds of risk. Exactly. What they're defining risk as is they, they, they're meaning volatility. And when they say risk, they're saying equity, just broadly meaning equity exposure. And, and let me translate. Volatility is code for will go down. <laughs> That's right. You don't call it volatility when it goes up. It just went up. That's right. It just went up. Volatility it it means do. it's going to go down, and if it goes down, we'll buy some more. That's right. That's right. Um, so they, they did the study, and they asked, they were asking, you know, your confidence level uh, with all things financial. Um, and it just, it found that people that ranked lower on their financial confidence, um, that they had less in the way of stocks in their portfolio in long-term investments, and they were weighted more heavily to cash and bonds. And so what that means over a long period of time is their returns were much, much lower than they could have been. Um, And what that all stems from initially is uh, lack of understanding, lack of being taught just – even some basic financial concepts because um, you know one uh, let me yeah, just go ahead, go ahead so people we've had people come in here before and they'll have a, a portfolio and they've been working a certain place for a long time they said now i'm going to tell you i'm conservative and then uh, then they'll go again and in another five minutes they say now i'm conservative and you'll look at their portfolio and it's probably 40 percent of what it should have been if they had just even invested. And sometimes they describe being conservative the way you would describe having a disability. It's like saying my foot's malformed or something. It is... It's an incorrect, based on history, an incorrect and a very inefficient allocation of their savings mm-hmm. based on history and the time horizon. Right. They have not properly allocated themselves. So they talk about being conservative sort of like it's like I'm real smart because I'm conservative and they also talk about it like I'm hampered because what they really are saying is I'm scared to death and I would rather see a constant dollar figure sitting there and disregard the fact that it's being destroyed by inflation than see something that might potentially go down a little bit one day after it, it had gone up a bunch. This is a real problem for some people. And it isn't as big a problem for everybody because there are people out there. Many, the average person has become more used to taking a little more risk because of the fact that they have 401ks. They've had this menu, which includes stocks in it. 
<laughs> they started out by putting a small amount in there. Now, in some cases, it's bigger than they thought it was ever going to get. But they're still kind of in denial about it because many people don't really want to know what's in their portfolio. <laughs> I like the sausage. Don't tell me how it's being made. I don't want to know what's in it. You know, mm-hmm. my uncle who was in this business had a funny quotation. He said, if everybody read prospectuses from the front to the back, nobody'd invest in anything. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's got so many things in there saying warning, this may go down. You know, prospectuses are full of it. The it's a, it's, it's a mindset. Part of it, you have to take on faith. Part of it, you have to understand and risk. They're, they're, people don't understand the risk of not participating on the upside, which means that your money's not going to be the, the money's only money as long as it'll purchase something. Right. You know, I mean, a Coca Cola today is three bucks, used to be 30 cents, 25 cents. 30 cents won't get you a Coke anymore. Won't even get you a swig. That's not really money anymore. It's now $3. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if your investment, uh, portfolio hadn't kept up with that inflation, you got an issue. Well, and you think about (laughs) sacrifice time. And so the first, obviously the first thing that has to happen is you have to save, money and then the next step is invest that money and earn a return on that money long term so if we're talking uh, you know in this example of somebody that's in their 20s and 30s yeah. you've got four, 30 40 plus years for this money to and grow. it's easier for that person to put a small amount right now yep into something that's growthy and see it get into a bigger amount over years of putting money in you, you get somebody who's got a million dollars and it's always been in CDs and say, hey, we're going to put it in stocks right now. Now that's a heart stop. That, that is but, a heart stop. But, 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 because they're going to look at one day, open up their portfolio, and it's worth 800000 Yeah. It'll happen. Yep. You're going to have one of those times. And then they have to say, oh, wow, I don't know if I can handle that. So it gets it gets down to financial literacy. That's right, um, and absolutely and true. Understanding, yes, what money is, what it represents. You know, both purchasing power and time. You know, our clients they come in with a portfolio. We see the value of that portfolio, dollar value, but also what it represents, which is 40, 50 plus years of time and savings uh, and knowing that that has to be there and they're not going to be able to go back out and earn that money again. So it has to be there. So understanding what money is, what it represents, how to make money and keep that money long term. Yep. That's that's financial literacy. And keeping the money is everything from taxes, inflation, keeping your purchasing power. That's that's the whole purpose of investing and earning the return over long periods of time. So financial literacy um at any age is good. We've had people that have become clients that 
they they weren't finan and I don't mean this in a bad way, they weren't financially literate when they started with us. And we've been able to guide them and explain things to That's them. That's right. And they get nobody ever likes to see a market that goes down and you see a market value go down. Nobody likes that. But they they begin to understand like <laughs> they understand what it represents because the literacy part is it uh, it represents an opportunity that's right to buy something um and it, it it's they say this about real estate all the time but it's true with stocks you make money on real estate when you buy it because you get it at a certain price that's true with our with equities also mm-hmm. You, you can also lose money on it when you buy it. You pay too much. NVIDIA, we don't own it. Beware. You're, everybody's going to be talking about it. But it is a cyclical business that is in the semiconductor business. And if you look at the long-term chart of how those kind of companies have uh, performed, it can be very up and down. Be careful. Don't get sucked in. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. This is our financial hour. Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and Tom Dupree. If you'd like to learn how we can make your money work for you, give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website on our homepage and schedule an appointment. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A few months ago, we began publicly predicting lower interest rates. At the time, it seemed like a strange thing to predict, given that some of the most well-known names on Wall Street were saying the opposite. Events have proved us correct. If you disregarded our call and kept money in cash and short-term obligations like CDs and money funds, you've left quite a bit on the table. We warned against becoming complacent When the Federal Reserve begins to cut, rates will drop quickly. We were right. To find out what we think the next move is, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make an appointment with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and your favorite podcast platform.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. I heard this song somewhere playing the other day, and I had had heard it before. And I used my handy little thing to remember what it, get it what it was. What's it, what is that thing called that you I don't know. And anyway, it's... Soundhound? Uh, no, it's it's he holds Shazam. it up. Shazam! Shazam. That's Shazam. it. Anyway, this is Paul McCartney plus Jeff Lynn, who was with the uh, uh, Electric Light Orchestra, who's also on the Traveling Wilburys, uh, which George Harrison was a member of. This this and song, Tom Petty, and yeah, Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan, and Roy Orbison, and uh, this song came out. In 97, I think George was gone by then, probably. But uh, just looking at some of the notes, Paul says, if I'd been playing with John, he would have said, do this. You know, that's kind of touching. And then Linda, his wife, was still alive at the time, and she encouraged him to do that guitar solo and to... Because he had followed Jimi Hendrix around London in 1967. And he had also traveled all over England when Neil Young was there. He liked to listen to Neil Young. I don't know why Paul McCartney would be interested in Neil Young, but he was. And I wonder if they're friends or talk to each other. It's... But Paul McCartney, I, I, I feel like he's really aged well. He, he seems to have – I saw this um, thing that James Corden does on YouTube where they drove down Penny Lane in, in Liverpool that the song is written for. And they ended up at a, church, at a bar, but they also, I think, might have gone by the church where Paul was a chorister. He was in a men and boys choir at an Anglican church in Liverpool, which means he sang a lot of the same songs that we sang over at Christ Church uh, as in the, the men and boys choir. So he was exposed to a lot of the same music that I was exposed to growing up. So I have a kind of a affinity for that, and uh, I think it's fascinating. Plus, he's left-handed, so... There's my connection with him. So there you go. I mean, yep. okay. That's that's that's. Uh, Do you see where he just found that bass? Somehow it got back to him. The, uh, yeah, after fifty years being lost, you know. Was it, it stolen? More or? than fifty. I didn't see the whole article. I just saw that it. It's it, a Hofner. It it's a it's a German made bass. It, it looks, looks like, like a violin. Yeah, it kind of looks like a violin. Yeah, it's. He's a he's a remarkable guy. He really is. He really is. And and what is he probably 81, 82 now, maybe eighty. Yeah, and he's still uh And who songs else is remarkable is is Ringo Starr. Yep. R- Ringo Starr is just totally remarkable. He and his brother in law. So, yeah, he's he, remarkable yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the, remarkable too. That's Joe Walsh, if anybody yeah. doesn't oh, know that. All right, so what do you guys want to talk so, about? <clears throat> I want to make one more point on the financial literacy that we were talking about. This is a, it, it's a concept. It's it's a spending concept. Uh, so especially we're talking to younger listeners out there, and it, we never spend shame 
people. Um, you know, uh, it, it, almost. Well, it it, it almost it come <laughs> it comes down to budget. You know, you create yeah. you and so financial literacy. You create a budget on how much you're going to spend each month, uh, and you come up with the budget. You obviously have your fixed things that you spend on, but then you have your more discretionary things that you spend on. But you always have so much left over that you're putting back into savings, retirement investments, things like that. Yeah, but that's that's in a perfect world. It, it is. Some people, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's a starting point. It's anyway. a starting yeah. point, and it, it lays the groundwork. It's the it, it's the discipline that you're putting in place. But th- this was a, a, a kind of a good illustration. It's, it's talking about a, a younger person that is in construction, and they're getting ready to buy a truck. And it says, okay, you buy a souped-up, you know, seventy thousand dollar truck, or you have the option of buying a smaller truck for twenty five thousand dollars, and it runs the. It's just a future or present value of money. It says basically, if you bought the smaller truck, and over the course of five years, you would have saved fifty one thousand dollars over five years, but you're a young person, and then it takes that and extrapolates it out over thirty years. What would that $51,000 have been worth had you not spent it? And over that 30 years, it comes out to uh, almost $250,000. Which is what one costs now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's (laughs) financial literacy, financial planning, wise decisions. You can be successful long-term by making shorter term wise decisions you know this person right. by not per, you know foregoing buying the $70,000 truck for 5 years equated to $250,000 more right. at retirement that's one decision and and you don't do that for every purchase you make but you're 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 cognizant of spending cognizant of investing and what that means long term there's a thing about how you relate to money. Do you regard your money as a checking account? So let's say you've got a million, $2 million IRA. Do you look at it like a million or $2 million checking account? Despite the fact that it's sitting inside of an IRA or whatever, you're still thinking of it as I'm going to start writing checks on that sucker at some point. Or... As we said before, do you look at it like a rental property, something that's there to produce income for you? That's the question. If you can begin to think like a real investor, you will start to think of it as more like a rental property, more like a business Mm -hmm. that throws off um, income for you. And so instead of looking at how much have I got sitting there, $2 million, $3 million, I'm going to start looking at what does it throw off. By throw off, I mean what does it produce in terms of income? Can I live on that income and pretty well keep my investment intact? Is that something I can do? And don't look at it like, golly, I got all this money. Let's start spending it. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Not everybody can do that. Yeah, no. Uh, so, some people, um, they uh, emotionally or for whatever reason, they they can't bring get to that point. It's tough, um, or it, and, it, and it could be shaped by certain experiences and, that they've had. And nobody, our business, yeah, and it is shaped by certain yeah. experiences you've had. And then in our business, we're just as bad people. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. Any of us are human mm -hmm. and, and, and we're going to make mistakes too. So the, there's, there's some good sides to having somebody kind of help you make these decisions. Well, it's uh, educating you, um, uh, you know, financial literacy, uh, but the, the other end of the spectrum, and we've seen this in here too, um, is we're talking about financial confidence, you know, people that maybe aren't confident financially. The other end of the spectrum is overconfidence. And that yeah. leads uh, sometimes as bad. It can be worse even at times because yeah. you, you, you look at what's happened in the markets. I mean, just in the last four years, um, you've had crazy types of things in the market nfts you've had you know the GameStop, the reddit stuff all all these different things right now you've, you have nvidia um <laughs> all, all of these different things in the market and that can easily lead people to be overconfident in in their abilities or just stupid <laughs> they can just end up being stupid and people nowadays you have to be so careful about what you might read in the financial press. Sure. Because there are certain people, the Wall Street Journal or at some of these things, that are old hands. They've been doing it a long time. But then you have a lot of these staff reporters and people write things. And I don't think they know how to find their, you know what, with both <laughs> hands. Some of them, I, I just wonder where they get these people. Yeah. Because I just don't think they're very smart so you 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 or it, i'm not going to say they're not smart i'm going to say they maybe just don't have enough experience to really be a positive contribution on the subject they're they're discussing yeah but the the overconfidence it can lead to you know poor investment decisions um it can lead to poor planning right. decisions um because if you've Let's say you've had a 12% average return because you've been in growth and tech stocks for the last several years. Right. And you start extrapolating that out. If you're close to retirement age, you extrapolate that out. Like, oh, well, I can take 6 or 7% oh, a year Lord. and I still have 6 or 7% left over. And it, it, sound, <laughs> it sounds That's crazy that tough. people you would. be careful there. It, it sounds crazy that people would think that, but. It, it absolutely 100% oh, does they do happen. It. They do it. Um, and what you find, uh, we talk about all the time, but it's <coughs> your investments has to match up with where you are uh, in, in life. Um, if it's, if you're right. now in the distribution phase, it's the, the income, the regular income stream. Um, if you're in the accumulation phase, that could be a combination of, income and growth and dollar cost averaging but 
you be careful not to get overconfident because uh, one of the best places to invest the last 10 years has just been the S&P 500. And where most people's 401ks, that's one of, if not, I mean, that's the main option in most 401ks. So 403Bs. Before, yeah. Um, just employer plans. And you look at the returns like, wow, my goodness, you know, I've, I've I'm smart. I've done really well. Right. Well, that's, that is great that the returns have been there, but don't extrapolate that out to fitting with a retirement. All right. I'm going to tell a story. I've told it before. I had a guy come in years ago. He had uh, a pretty good size IRA rollover that had come out of a, uh, 403B plan. Um, this guy had done a lot of research and he calculated that his average return over the last 20 years was 15% a year. He had averaged 15% a year. Now it didn't go straight up every year and that's where he got in trouble. Yeah. Because it had some downtimes in there. It had some uptimes. But he had averaged 15% a year. Here's where he made his huge mistake. He said, wait, he said, I've been getting 15% a year. I'm going to keep getting 15% a year. And I'm going to take out 10% a year. That's going to be my withdrawal rate. So let's say his portfolio was $1.3 million. I'm going to take out $130,000 this year. Why wouldn't I? Because I have been making 15% a year. Sequence of return. Exactly. He came in um, 08, 09 time frame. He had seen um, a, a, a pretty good-sized portfolio declined by about 40%. And he said, what's wrong? I was, and I had 20 years of data and I was thorough about it. He didn't look at the sequence of returns. He kept pulling out that money into a down market and he exacerbated his negative market. You can't, you got to be very careful if you're gonna if you're gonna weather these downturns, which you are. It's better if you have a lower rate of uh, withdrawal, and you take it from the dividends and the income, not the principal. He had a higher rate of withdrawal, and he was taking it out of the principal. Big problem. When I told him what I thought he needed to do, I never heard from him again. So uh, it was a problem. Well, I mean, I think people get lulled into the into this belief that tech stocks or whatever the latest growth stock is going to allow them to take a greater uh, distribution or greater percent distribution. And I mean, it works for a while until it doesn't. And I mean, the for something to be statistically significant, I'll get nerdy here. You have to have at least forty examples of it. So twenty years of, of data isn't going to help. But also, 
you have to have 40 market cycles at least before you can actually get a trend that's going to, to be repeatable. I mean, there is reversion. So are we to talking mean, like 200 years or, or longer? Yeah. I mean, it's, it depends on how long market cycles are and we just don't have it. I mean, things change. I mean, we were on a gold standard until 73. So the data, I mean, the markets performed differently since 73. I mean, uh, you go back to when we were yeah. truly on a gold standard back in uh, pre-World War II. It was, I mean, it was, uh, it behaved differently then. I mean, it, so it just, you never can get a long enough period of time to, to come up with something that's going to validate that you can take some big amount out. What you can do is look at the long-term uh, averages. And I do believe in reversion to the mean. And when you have reversion to the mean on stocks, maybe 9%. So, I mean, if you're taking 10% out and the best stocks have done over long periods of time is about 9% a year, you're going to lose money. I mean, you're going to take – It'll catch principle. up with you Absolutely. sooner or later. Absolutely. So that's why you have to have a more conservative withdrawal rate as well as uh, try to get the dividends to, to live on the interest and dividends from your portfolio and try not to touch the principal if you can help it. Another thing to consider, 9% at almost neg- – at pretty close to zero inflation – is worth more than 15% with, uh, say, 6% inflation or 7 Yeah, it, it's And it's harder to hit that. It, it The stability of the currency means a whole lot in investing because when the currency is unstable, we're always having to play catch-up. And when your country has a very large debt, at some point that does catch up. And uh, That's going to be another yeah, show. Yeah, we'll have to do that as another show. But fact is, that may be a good one for next week, just the debt. Yeah. Let's try to think about that. But back, you know, to financial literacy, um, you know, the idea of growing your purchasing power over time, um, but then you pair that with the planning which is that gets into your what is a reasonable withdrawal rate, um, depending on your age, depending on your needs. Um, there's a lot of different levers to pull uh, in retirement. There's some that you sometimes don't want to or can't pull, right. which would be, you know, maybe you physically can't go back to work. But there are other levers that maybe you can pull, which is you know more on the spending side, making wise decisions on. Social Security, when to take that, um, all these different things. There's there's hundreds of decisions that can and should be made along the way, and it's it's trying to maximize the assets that are available to you. And there's no magic number that somebody has to reach for quote unquote retirement. Everybody's different because everybody's needs are different. Everybody's situation is different. Um, so there's not one magic way. There are certain laws that govern, but there's not one magic number, one magic way. It's a process. Okay. What else, what's the next step in the process here? Oh, so you're Come looking, you're about looking a financial for the, plan. the marketing Talk. spiel, are you? Let's turn on a little of Paul. I like this song. You have been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, and our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to come see us to learn how we can make your money work for you, give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also go to our website, our homepage, and schedule an appointment with us directly from there. 
There's never a better time to take a look at what you're invested in. And what we feel like we do best is educate, guide, and empower our clients so that they do have the financial literacy that we have been talking about. Give us a call, 859-233-0400. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour powered by Dupree Financial Group. tonight